um, the Word incarnate, and we ask that uh, you would be with us and uh, help us to understand uh, this Word about Him and help us to grow in our faith and love uh, for Him as we sit underneath the preaching of uh, His Word. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. I've often told you that uh, in high school, if God had told me he was going to call me to be a minister, I would have died on the spot. Being a pastor would have been the most unlikely thing I could have imagined myself doing. But after I met the Lord Jesus Christ um, and read the Gospel of Matthew for the first time, actually a few times, um, I wanted to tell the whole world about our Lord Jesus Christ. And so God surprised me by calling me into the ministry. But ever since uh, I began to call, since his call to be a minister, I have never felt it a burden, but only a privilege, even when the ministry's been tough. I imagine a great many of you have similar testimonies about God's surprising grace in your own life. For those of you with special needs children, had God told you beforehand you might have wondered how you would have coped. But now, those children are the light of your life. Some of you have ongoing health challenges, but through those trials, God has taught you how to live by faith. You can say along with the Apostle Paul, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of placing of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need, I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. We could go on and on, recounting other examples of God's surprising grace in our lives. We have learned that God doesn't often do what we expect Him to do. And He often, when He does something, He doesn't often do it in the way that we expect Him uh, and expect that He should do it when He's pouring out His grace into our lives. But we have learned, even though God surprises us in the way He blesses us, we have learned that His grace is always sufficient. We might sometimes be surprised by His grace, but we are always thankful for His grace. This is what happened to Mary, the mother of Jesus. We're going to see in our passage that God surprised Mary with His grace. But like us, she found that God's grace is more than sufficient for her. When I say that God surprised Mary with His grace, it's a bit of an understatement. In verses 26 through 29, we see how God sent Gabriel, the angel, to appear to her. And the word surprise seems inadequate to describe the reaction she had. What would be your reaction if an angel showed up in his blazing splendor and he said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. Surprise just wouldn't do it, I don't think. Shocked? Astonished? Jolted? Bewildered? Awed? Maybe those are better descriptions. Verse 29 gives us Mary's 
description or or a description of her reaction. It says she was greatly troubled. You know, it was likely that Mary was only 12 or 13 years old at this time. In those times in Jewish culture, the usual age for a girl to be betrothed was only 12 or 12 and a half years old. She was not a society girl from Jerusalem. She was from Nazareth. Nazareth was a small town in the, the, the far northern part of Palestine. Um, just right, very near the border. We could say, uh, it was like, if we wanted to put it in terms that we might understand here in, in, in uh, Hillsborough County. She was from Fort Lonesome. If you don't know where Fort Lonesome is, well, it's a, 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 um, a suburb of the metropolis of Waimama, <laughs> right? And so, a very small town in the Galilee district. And it was certain that Mary was very poor. She had not received a formal education. I wonder even if she was able to read. I would guess that she was not able to read. We're told in verse 27 that Mary was a virgin at the time of her betrothal. Uh, She had not yet had physical sexual relations with a man. Her betrothal was something like an engagement, but um, a more strongly binding commitment. In order to break a betrothal, um, you would have to have a divorce. A betrothal lasted a year, and the couple would not enter into sexual relations during that time. Verse 27 goes on to tell us that Mary was betrothed to Joseph. And it notes importantly that Joseph was a descendant of David. Therefore, the child being born into his home, into his household, would be a legal heir to the throne. Even though Joseph was not physically Joseph's, I'm sorry, even though Jesus was not physically Joseph's son, being adopted as his son and raised by him made him a legal member of Joseph's family, made him a legal member of David's line. Before we leave verses 26 through 29, I need to address a mistranslation that has persisted since the, since the fourth century. When Jerome translated the, the scriptures into Latin, or what we call the Latin Vulgate, Vulgate for the common, the, the, the language common of, at the time, he translated the word kcryptomane uh, uh, to mean that Mary was full of grace. The problem with Jerome's translation is that it treats Mary as the source of grace rather than an object of grace. And because of that, um, many people believe that Mary is a source of grace and therefore they'll pray to her um, with an expectation that she has grace to give. But this kcryptomane is a perfect passive participle. I think Jerome simply um, made a mistake at this point. And being a passive participle um, is to say that the favor or the grace was not active in Mary, but it was given to her. 
It is in the passive voice. Mary is being acted upon. She's receiving God's favor. It has nothing to do with grace that she's able to give to others. Um, Jerome's translation, therefore, stands this verse on its head, making it say the opposite of what the meaning is. In other words, Mary was an ordinary young lady. The Bible never says that she was without sin. In fact, Mary says just the opposite. In verse 46, Mary rejoices in the Lord and calls God her Savior. If you have a Savior, it implies you know that you need saving. Mary was saved from her sin by the blood of Jesus, just like we are. As we move on to verses 33 through 36, we see that God continued to surprise Mary with his call for her to serve him. As we say earlier in verse or as we said earlier in verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled. So Gabriel decides uh, and rightly so to reassure her in verse 30. So in verse 30, Gabriel said, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Uh, If Mary was reassured, it was only for a moment. Because uh, listen to what Gabriel tells her in verses 31, uh, 31 through 33. He says, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. We could spend months unpacking these three verses. But essentially what, what Gabriel is saying is that he is telling her, telling Mary about the entire person and work of our great and great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Gabriel specifically instructed Mary to name him Jesus. Jesus is the Greek form of the name Joshua, which means Yeshua, or God saves. Jesus will be uniquely great, he tells her. He will be called Son of the Most High, And he will sit on David's throne and reign forever and ever. You know, I'm struggling to illustrate the full ramifications of what Gabriel told Mary in these three verses. So I'm going to try this. Remember what I was saying last week? Please don't anybody say, all I remember is that devil cat jumped on your head, right? No, but remember what I said about Psalm 8? We saw that God's glory is set above the heavens. Remember that star we talked about that that named uh, 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 Betelgeuse? And that star is 587 light years away from earth. And how this one star is twice the size of of earth's orbit around the sun. In other words, a star just makes, makes our sun seem puny in comparison. 
Well, the Bible says that Jesus created the universe. Jesus created this Betelgeuse star. Jesus created our solar system. Jesus created the billions and billions of stars. John chapter 1 verse 3 says, All things were made through Jesus, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Colossians 1.16, For by Jesus all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. So Jesus created That great star. Jesus created all the energy that is being given off by that great star. Jesus created everything. He he created the entire universe. And Jesus is so glorious that He is... Highly exalted above the the universe. He is highly exalted as the ruler of the universe. He is is highly exalted as the Savior for sinful people like you and me. And Gabriel saying, that Jesus is about to be placed into your womb. Can you see how that would cause Mary some tremendous delight, but also great um, perplexity? So Mary's fear is now replaced by curiosity in verse 34. Look at verse 34. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And this is not a question of unbelief like her uncle Zechariah back in verse 18. Rather, she was intending on saving her sexual purity for marriage the way that every woman and every man uh, should do. So she wanted to know how the Son of the Most High was going to arrive in her womb. And Gabriel's answer in verse 35 provides us the doctrine of the virgin birth of Christ. So verse 35. And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. The phrase, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, at the beginning of verse 35, is the language of Pentecost. The phrase later in verse 35 that the power of the Most High will overshadow you is the language of the Holy Spirit resting upon the tabernacle in the Old Testament. Now we have the question before us. Why did uh, Jesus have to be born of a virgin? Well, very briefly. Jesus had to be a human being in every way like we are. Otherwise, He could not be a true substitute for us on the cross. Our sins had to be paid for with human blood. Secondly, his birth into this world as an infant demonstrates his true weakness as he's born into this world. As Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, 
so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. There are other reasons why Jesus had to be born of a virgin. But frankly, we could all sum them all up uh, by saying that Jesus was born of a virgin in order that he might be your perfect Savior. Jesus submitted to the womb. Jesus submitted to take on human flesh. Jesus submitted to that awful death on a cross to be your Savior. He became sin so that in Him you might be the righteousness of God. That's why Jesus was born of a virgin. Last year, I went back and counted how many funerals I've conducted in the 12 years that I've been pastor here at Westminster Presbyterian. I'd be surprised if you could guess within 10 of how many I've done. And I bet you'd underguess. I've done over 60 funerals. Here's the pastor at Westminster. That's half a congregation. I could not do this job if I did not know that Jesus Christ offered himself as a substitute for sinners on that awful cross. Frankly, I could not face the thought of my own death if I were not certain that Christ offered himself on the cross for me. Christ not only offered himself on the cross, he offers himself to us. He says, come to me and receive all my benefits. He died on the cross so that he could offer us forgiveness. He lived a perfect life here on this earth so that he could offer us his perfect righteousness. He rose from the grave so that he could offer us his life. He ascended into heaven that he might send his Holy Spirit to dwell in our soul and be with us forever here on this earth. And then after we die and when we are in heaven In fact, he entered heaven and sat down at the right hand of the Father so that we might eternally be where he is. Christ was born as a virgin for you. He did this for you. He loves you more deeply than you can ever be able to conceive or begin to understand. As we bring this sermon to a conclusion, I want to remind you of the favor that he's showing to Mary. It's not simply a favor of saying, sending the the virgin down to give this announcement, but rather the favor that God is showing to Mary is he is allowing her to serve him. He's allowing her to serve him. First of all, uh, and we might be tempted to overlook this, but uh, allowing her to serve him by being a mother. And I bring this up simply because I sense out in culture that, the, um, that the, the way our society views mothers is beginning to, to uh, lessen. And I want to say that the Bible um, views mothers as a very, having a very special calling from God. And so Mary here, she has the privilege 
of giving birth to the Messiah. Giving birth to Him who will be called Son of the Most High. To Him who will sit on David's throne forever. She'll have the privilege of feeding Him. Of changing Him. Of nurturing Him. Of influencing Him. Jesus' first words here on earth as a young baby were probably learned directly from His mother. His first steps were probably aided along by Mary as she held her her arms up to his side to make sure he didn't fall over and bump his head. It is a privilege to be a mother. And we want to thank all our mothers here. It's also a privilege to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's, that's the second thing that, that, that Christ is calling Mary to do. She is call, he is calling her to be the mother who would carry um, the Lord Jesus Christ to birth. And, it, you know, when we think of God showing us favor, showing us grace, when we think of God calling us to serve Him, we think God is blessing us. But oftentimes, with that service comes a lot of hardship. Because she was um, serving the Lord, being the, the virgin mother of the Lord Jesus Christ, Joseph wanted to divorce her because he thought that she had cheated on him. And the, and the angel Gabriel appeared to him as well. We know that from the Gospel of Matthew. And those rumors persisted throughout her life that Jesus was born out of wedlock illegitimately. And then Jesus grew up. And when he started his public ministry, he was the most hated man in Palestine. Oh, how that grieved his mother's heart. And then she watched him die that awful death on the cross. Her joy in serving Christ was not all um, sunshine, rainbows, and lollipops. It was difficult. But it was a privilege that she had given to him, or that that God had given to her. Whatever way God has privileged you to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to remind you, it is a privilege. Even if you are not able to do the, the active ministry that you'd love to do. I hear some of you um, sad that you are no longer able to sing in the choir. Others of you um, used to teach Sunday school and now you're older and you don't have the energy. Um, listen, if you are at home, serve the Lord by praying for His church. Serve the Lord by praying for the gospel. Serve the Lord by praying for the pastor. Serve the Lord in whatever way that God has enabled you. Serving faithfully, serving joyfully, knowing that it is a privilege to serve our Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what? God will help you. It might not always be easy, but God's grace is sufficient. 
Look at verse 37. He tells Mary, nothing will be impossible with God. Elizabeth, her aunt in her old age, was going to have a baby. Mary was going to carry the Messiah in her womb. And she was going to conceive without ever having sexual relations with a man. Gabriel tells her, nothing is impossible with God. So, in wherever service God has given you, don't try and do it on your own. God is promising. He promised to help Mary. He will promise to help you. Nothing is impossible with God. Do you believe that? then trust yourself to Him and serve Him wholeheartedly. Let's pray together. Our Lord and our God, uh, we see Mary's service and we thank You that You have given us the privilege of serving You in whatever way that You have called us. Help us to um, keep our faith and our trust in, in Christ, knowing that His, His grace is always sufficient. Lord, I ask that there are any here who are strangers to the Lord Jesus Christ, that you would draw them powerfully and sweetly to yourself. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.